Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to another episode of the Kettlecast with your host, Forrest Willoughby. On this episode of the Kettlecast, I talked to returning guest Larry Luke about the seasons of Trey Young, Jeremy Lin, and Vince Carter. This is also recorded on Tuesday, May 14th, the day of the lottery. We find out the order of the NBA lottery, and we talk about our thoughts going into the lottery. And we go to the Atlanta Hawks lottery party, and then we talk about what we thought of the ultimate results. I really appreciate Larry coming on to the Kettlecast once again. And without further ado, let's get into it. All right, I am here to the Kettlecast with our most frequent guest in Larry Luke. I'm back. <laughs> We're super excited to have him back. We're sitting here on Tuesday, May 14th, actually the day of the lottery. We're here. We're going to talk about Trey Young, Jeremy Lin, and Vince Carter, and then the hopes of the Hawks going into this lottery. Hopes of the city, hopes of the nation, <laughs> the hopes, hopes of, of the basketball world. Hopes of NBA, yeah, the NBA world everywhere is that the Hawks land the number one pick. Before we get into that, let's talk about some season recaps for a couple players, and I think the player that everybody would want to talk about is Trey Young. What were some of your expectations coming in? I didn't know what to think other than that he was a great shooter in college. I don't know. I was led to believe that he didn't play great defense for for whatever reason, but I think I was proven wrong throughout the season. I don't know what his defensive stats ended up being, but that's not really what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to talk about <laughs> Trey Young's scoring. Yes, he does shoot a lot. Yes, he's very accurate. You know, I think he had a slump to start the season yep. where he he wasn't shooting well from threes, but he more than made up for that, especially after the All-Star break. Yeah, his shooting, he came off of a really rough summer league where expectations were put on him, and his first shot in the Utah Summer League was an air ball. Yeah, we, we all kind of like christened him that way, and we're like, oh no! <laughs> it took him a little bit of time to get his swagger on, and especially after the All-Star break, he just, being around other All-Stars, other people there in Charlotte big talking him giving him the confidence he needed and then even in the like the skills challenge just being able to show out like he did I know he didn't win but he almost did if it weren't for that half court shot that I forget who the Tatum Tatum that Tatum shot other than that I think he got a lot of confidence just being around hall of famers perennial all-stars and his peers really good rookies and sophomores that gave him everything he needed to come back to Atlanta and be the leader that he is now. Coming into this season, a lot was made of the draft day trade. For him, for Luka, is what everybody talked about. They never would add in the draft pick. And it was Luka came in off, he got to rest the whole summer because he had played so much professional basketball already. And he came in kind of fresh and started the season super hot. And Trey immediately drew comparisons to him. Mm -hmm. And he was sort of finding his way and I think you're talking about how he played pre and post All Star break is right on because if we look some of, at some of these stats, he went from ha- averaging 16, basically 17 points a game to 25 points a game after the All Star break, and his assists went from seven and a half to nine point two. Trey didn't just continue to play well; he played demonstratively better. And after so much of the season being, like, oh, Luca's going to be the Rookie of the Year. 
Trey really made it a conversation. Still, we don't know the answer for who the rookie of the year will be. And I think I remember a conversation that he had had with like Grant Hill, where Grant Hill was saying, you know, the rookie of the year was supposed to be like Jason Kidd's straight up his rookie year. And it ended up being like a co-rookie of the year situation where he he more than made up for it in the second half of the season as well. Uh, Trey definitely showed out, and we might have a co-rookie of the year situation, or he might not win, and that's fine too. Just the fact that he played his way back into the convo is not something to turn your nose up at. And some of the concerns coming into this season was how would he last for an 82-game season? Would his small stature be a hindrance? Could he make it through the whole season? He started 81 games. He He was the day one starter for the Atlanta Hawks. And he missed one game for rest. I think it was the 81st game. They were like, we don't need you to win. I remember that. They rested him. But it was kind of a big deal because I know Trey wanted to play all the 82 games of his rookie season. And for him to start all 82, get better after the All-Star break, it just is very impressive. Yeah, and one thing that I noticed beyond just playing well on the court, his jump alley-oop celebrations are really cool like when he throws a lob to anyone he jumps with them yes um and then his and one celebrations he's always like beating beating his chest or doing some pumping his biceps or something and i think that that's just great body language for a team to catch on and especially for the fans to get excited about it got to see a couple of those up close i was lucky enough to sneak down into the pac-man hawk bar yeah the courtside bar for a couple games and those falling and ones where he hits the stanchion he's like right there in front of us and I, I was really really excited it's electric he's electric he really has gets as much joy throwing an alley-oop as he does hitting a three or something and that little hop is his signature and it's just so funny to see because he's jumping with the guy he's throwing the alley-oop to mm-hmm. there are compilations all over youtube <laughs> of, of trey young throwing lobs and then jumping with, <laughs> with the uh dunker one thing that helped on the second half is he finally got some opportunities to get game-winning shots and to kind of really assert himself. I mean, he had a 49-point game in the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. Against Chicago, right? Yeah, that four-overtime game. Somehow the Hawks had a winning record against the Philadelphia 76ers. He did. I mean, that going on a tangent, I just didn't think the Sixers were for real at all, and I was shocked they even took the Raptors to seven games. Thankfully, they didn't advance because if the young Hawks were just beating them yeah i think they took three of four correct you know they didn't deserve to be in the playoffs they didn't deserve to make the eastern conference finals but that also just shows you how close the hawks really are as well yeah trey was really the leader in the face and his positive body language like you talked about he gets the crowd into it a little bit of a kind of you know the steph curry a smaller player being such a impact on the game it gets a lot of people in the crowd amped up as well it's relatable if you're a kid and you watch trey young play you can see yourself growing up and being that stature or that height and also playing in the league possibly so it's it's very relatable for a lot of us who are just barely six feet or just under six feet um we can talk about some of his totals he led rookies in scoring with 1549 points he was second overall in the nba in assists with 653 behind Russell Westbrook his three-point percentage wasn't where you want it to be at 32 percent and his field goal percentage at 42 percent isn't exactly where you want it to be but for a rookie 
coming in and starting as many games as he did, for him to go out there and keep shooting threes when they weren't mm-hmm. falling at the beginning. Yeah, at the begin. I mean, his three-point percentage definitely isn't really accurate for the kind of player he is right now because his early-on three-point percentage was not that great. Um, yeah. So he's more than made up for that now. Post-All-Star break, he went from shooting like 32% to shooting 35%, which would be... 35% league average. Mind you, he's taking a lot of those shots from the logo or from the corner the corner logo as well. So those are deep threes. Yeah, I think only Damian Lillard hit more of those deep threes than Trey. And we've seen what Damian Lillard has meant to the Blazers in these playoffs. They're still playing right now. They are still playing. As far as the season, I don't think you could have asked for anything more from Trey Young. And his rookie season. Yeah, I can't wait for more Hawks basketball. We ended the season on such a high note. I'm just hungry to watch this these guys some more. They're so fun. Obviously, the young core, everyone knows. Trey, Collins, Herter. They're just so fun to watch. They're appointment-viewing t- television. I didn't miss a game for I was gonna say, the longest if, time. If you're not at the stadium, because it's just... There's going to be an alley-oop, there's going to be a monster slam dunk, and there's going to be a deep logo three from Trey. And they're not going to get blown out. Most nights they didn't get blown out. They, they were in, in almost in every game. So I think Coach Pierce has got them learning how to close out games now. A lot of those where they may have lost in the last two minutes last season, that's not going to happen so much moving forward. What are your things that you would look for Trey to improve going into his second season? Assists, points in the paint, just seem more visibly vocal Mm -hmm. on court. And then, I don't know what that backup point guard situation is looking like, but I would hope that he has a strong relationship with whoever um, ends up being playing behind him. He had a great mentor, or set of mentors this season, in Jeremy Lin, who we're going to talk about, Vince Carter, who we're also going to talk about. He just had... All great veteran guys behind him, and then Jalen Adams was kind of his direct backup. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're going to look more at Kevin Herter to handle the ball and uh, DeAndre Bembry as well, but he is going to have to have a relationship with whoever they bring in to be his backup point guard, and it'll be interesting to see how he's gone from a rookie who needed to listen to everybody to a guy averaging 19 points, 8 assists in his rookie year. I would like him to get physically stronger. I think an off season where he's not having to worry about the combine or you know specific measurements but just getting physically stronger and continuing to work on his game at that new facility that the Hawks have built over mm-hmm. in Brookhaven and mind, so, mind you the the training staff that they have at the Hawks used to be the Warriors staff so, right so they're the best in the game yeah full off season working with even Herter um, yes and Trey I think they're both gonna bulk up a little bit and just be more ready to play 82 games, 82 plus games, right? Exactly. Exactly. It was just for him to play all start 81 games and get through the whole season. Normally, you'd want a rookie to be like, all right, we want him now to start every game or something like that. We don't have to worry about that with Trey. It's kind of good to have that point guard position set because if we want any sort of free agents in the offseason, I think they would very much be interested in who's going to get him the ball. Right, and Trey makes everyone better. Yep. So I think that's a huge selling piece for any free agent. Like, oh, I get to come play with Trey. He's gonna, yeah. He's going to give me a bump in my stats. So I think that that's really um, a positive. 
moving on, Jeremy Lin came and was a part of the Hawks for about half the season. And I know you were super excited about him coming in and being a backup point guard. And what did you think of his time here in Atlanta? I mean, I thought it was great. I was just a huge fan, just being an Asian American myself, of of Jeremy Lin and what he stands for, uh, especially being the only Asian American player in the NBA. So we kind of look at him to represent all of us. So that was awesome to have him in my city for a while and uh, seeing him connect with our community was really cool. I know that he personally probably wanted to play for a contender and now he's there, he's in Toronto. and So he kind of got everything he could have ever wanted in a season and coming to Atlanta, getting healthy, clearly showing that he can contribute and then having being able to lead a guy like Trey and kind of like pass off some veteran learnings, also some superstar learnings, you know, because he he, he was a star. I mean, he still kind of is on and off the court. So just being able to handle the limelight and sharing stories, I'm sure they had, I would have loved to hear them talking, hear the stories they shared in the locker room and beyond. Uh, So he got to do all that and now he's in Toronto I know he's not really contributing big minutes in Toronto right now, especially since like the playoffs dictates a shorter bench. I think he's only been in, subbed in once or twice this entire playoffs. Regardless, he's he gets to lead the bench mob, and that's always fun too, especially in a basketball town like Toronto. Yeah, Trey benefited from having Jeremy Lin. Just you hit it by not only having a guy who's played point guard for a long time in the NBA, being able to show him some of the tips and tricks. Trey does that behind-the-back pass about once a game, and Jeremy Lin may have taught him that. I mean, I've seen Jeremy do that for Toronto. So just the consummate professional, and I'm sure he talks to him about what you need to do to handle yourself in the media and how you need to hold yourself under such scrutiny. To hear Jeremy talk about their relationship, he was saying, Look, I'm not only a mentor to Trey, but Trey's teaching me things as well. It is extremely humble of a player such as Jeremy Lin to be like, yes, I'm learning stuff from a rookie. To learn from a player like that is something. And also just to have that player, now Trey has a relationship with Jeremy mm-hmm. that um, he can go talk to him at any time. And I know that the Hawks were trying to get, they were going to trade Deadman or Jeremy Lin if, those guys wanted were open to a trade but both guys said you know we're content here and then once the op- the spot opened for Jeremy in Toronto he went to Travis Schlenk and the management was like look I can go play for a contender and they were like yeah let's let's absolutely you've done more than enough what we wanted you to do here yeah and the Hawks have been really professional about the whole thing too and gave Jeremy everything he could have wanted in being on an NBA roster, playing tons of minutes, showing that he can score still and yeah. be a team player and like slowly building that confidence back on the court. Hawks gave him that chance. Yeah. And especially when Trey was struggling early. Lynn was the kind of guy that everyone leaned on for yes. like a few weeks or even a few months. So that's that's cool that he had that opportunity to shine and um, now he you know, has the chance to win a title. Yep, you're 100% right. He he surprised the staff so much. I didn't think they envisioned that they would play Trey and Jeremy at the same time, but his shooting and his playmaking dictated that he's a viable wing option when Trey was out there leading the point guard, which was incredible. 
Jeremy, you started to get used to him going into the paint and throwing up some his floater game that was super strong. And then him being as good a three-point shooter as he was this season was something I was not expecting. Yeah, for real. He exceeded my expectations as an Atlanta Hawks player, for sure. It was just cool to have a guy like Jeremy Lin living in Atlanta, yeah, sharing day-to-day life in Atlanta for a few months on Instagram stories or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just cool to see... If you ever read the comments on any of Jeremy's social media posts, he has followers all over the world. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, it would be people that are like, yay, go ATL, or I bought your Hawks jersey, and things like that. And that kind of helps grow the brand a little bit yeah. all over the world. And I, It's just cool to see. Absolutely. Um, and it was also cool to have Lynn Sanity and Vin Sanity in the same city for a brief amount of time. Totally. Um, Vince Carter came to the Hawks kind of he was signed I think like right before the season and sort of by the end of the season he came to kind of represent the Hawks in a way yeah he was the captain or the go-to guy he was the leader on the team and people who maybe had checked out on the Hawks over the past few years were really excited to see Vince Carter especially in person like anytime you hit a basket in that building people were going crazy yeah Ryan Cameron, every time Vince Carter comes in, it was like, Vince Carter coming in. I mean, he'd be basically getting a ovation. ovation. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. I bought his jersey. I got the, what did they call it? The Hardwood Classics. Classics, yeah. Powder Blue, Vince Carter. Figured to get a, a vintage player on a vintage, vintage. jersey. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> a cool thing to Absolutely. do. Yeah, and I, I heard that he's open to coming back to the NBA for another year. Like, he wants to play another year, and Hopefully, if all things go well, the Hawks will have a spot for him. Yeah, he averaged more minutes than I thought he should as a 42-year-old player for the Hawks. I mean, he at, at some points, he was the... Uh, he played 76 games. <laughs> yeah, 76 games. He At some points, he was their number one guy off the bench. He was averaging, yeah, 17 and a half minutes a game. I was thinking he's coming in and be like 12 minutes a game guy. He really was the consummate pro for the team here. He's also the only player I know that had a game where he didn't play where he joined the broadcasting team. Him, Neek, and Bob were going at That was a fun game. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I remember uh, Coach Pierce going over to him and being like, hey, we're going to sub you in now. And he's like, oh, I'm wearing my suit. Um, that was... It was just cool to have him on the team and very much in the same way that it was cool to have Jeremy Lin a veteran with so much like star power and experience and if you're a rookie coming onto a team coming into the a new league that the game just goes faster there's so yep. many more things than being a college basketball player that on and off the court and Build, building your brand like what to wear to games the really long road trips and things like that it's just nice to have two wise vets on the team that know how to carry themselves like these guys aren't out at the club like super late at night and just getting drunk the night before games and things like that. Where it does happen, it happens in the league, and I don't think it happens so much on the Hawks. And I think it's just because they have a great group. Yeah, and one thing that Travis Schlenk, the GM, has been very conscious of is just who he's bringing into this locker room. One thing I thought Vince did extremely well is he just brought like an instant credibility to the team on the court. He could be a guy who went up to the refs when something was going wrong and argue, and they listen to him. A lot of rookies aren't going to get the same sort of respect that Vince Carter or Jeremy Lin are going to get. 
And he took that, if anyone went at any of the young guys, Vince Carter was the first guy out there to defend them. To show what it takes to play at 42, just his rehab efforts and everything it takes, it brought a level of professionalism both him and Jeremy Lin brought that that really benefited I, the young guys. Especially DeAndre Bembry and Torian Prince benefited from having Vince Carter. Just I know Bembry in particular, Vince is a guy he looked up to on the wing. And then Torian Prince, he had a pretty rough season just in general. And for him to have Vince Carter to talk to and get some explanations for why something's happening or what he can do do better, that was huge for those third-year players. Yeah, it's priceless, really priceless mentorship. He's kind of like a coach on the floor for Lloyd Pierce as well. Lloyd's one year older than Vince. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I know Lloyd likes to get out there and um, play scrimmages or on the practice court. Yeah. We can talk about Lloyd a little bit if you want to. What do you think of his sure. first season as coach? My impressions were really great. I mean, I have heard some things, rumblings, and these are just rumors that like maybe he might be more difficult to work with in some situations. This might be people that don't, don't actually play for the team but work for the team. Mm-hmm. You know, I think... Maybe he's more demanding, and some people aren't used to working with that. But everything I'm seeing on the court, the the way the players are behaving off the court, just he's brought some structure. He's brought a focus to the team, and I'm really happy with that. I don't know if he's the guy that's going to bring us all the way, but right. I'm not the one to say. Right. Uh, like, he's done more than enough, more, like, exceeded my expectations for season one, for right. sure. Right. He really was said all the right things, I thought, during post games. If the team didn't bring it, and there was a couple games early in the season where the team didn't look like it had it all together, he was the first to call them out, which is surprising. Some coaches would give him a pass, say, these are rookies, these are young guys making mistakes. And he was like, look, we didn't give the proper effort. And if we're, I'm okay with us losing, but we better give the proper effort and make give the fans what they came for, their money's worth at least. His focus on development as well is something that benefits the young guys. He might be the reason why we beat Philly three times. True. Because he came from their system. So that's good. Thumbs up for me. The development of guys like John Collins and even DeAndre Bembry, especially having a new coach come in, gave everybody a chance to just show something new. Even a guy like Alex Lynn, who had been in the league for four years, then comes in. Gets to be a backup center. Alex Lynn had a great year. Yeah. Yeah, he really did. I love that the the pregame video yeah. was really good this year. And it I was. Love, I love that part when Coach Pierce comes in and goes, it starts now. Yeah. And then it was, it was just really exciting. And the pyrotechnics really helped, too. They I, did. I thought Coach Pierce had a really nice spot there. Yeah. He came in and... He embraced, I mean, he was showing up at all Atlanta sporting events, right? He was, Yeah. he went to United game, a Braves game. You got to do that. You really, you really have to get out there. And I don't know if we're ready to talk about the lottery yet. Let's do it. But I'll just say if we get number one and if we bring in Mr. Williamson, he's got to be that first guy to hammer the golden spike at the Atlanta United games. Yeah. (laughs) You know, he's like right away, let's book it. Let's put a jersey on him and get him to hammer that spike. He might break the spike. The dude's 285 (laughs) pounds. Yeah. The lottery is today. We find out who wins the ping pong balls and everything. What are your thoughts going into this? I feel pretty confident. 
I feel I feel really good about hopefully hopefully fingers crossed top three. Mm-hmm. I think that there there are there is a lot of talent at the top of this draft. I'm really happy to get anyone. I really trust Travis Schlink yeah. for sure. But would if we were to land number one and draft Zion, that would fast track our our franchise to playoff contention or being contenders like way faster than uh, what we are now. I mean, we're already ahead of schedule, so right. this would just be just like a bullet train to <laughs> to success for us. And so, I think the prospect of that is so exciting. It's so fun to think about just seeing people all over the world kind of low-key rooting for the Hawks to, yep. to win the the draft lottery or, or to get the number one ping-pong ball. It's cool. I love seeing that. I just don't want it to get too crazy between now and 7.30, 8 o'clock tonight to where we're all just like totally let down for whatever reason. You know, I'm bracing myself. Right. Yeah, usually... The Hawks have not been at the top of the draft, and for there to be, they have forty percent chance to move up in the top four, and a ten percent chance to get that number one pick. There's a lot of positive energy just around the idea of Trey Young, John Collins, and Zion, and then Kevin Herter, Kevin Herter as well. The idea of that, people are excited, and it's cool that it's not just Atlanta or hardcore Hawks fans who are excited. I mean, there are people outside the of Atlanta. Outside of Atlanta, there's basketball people who are interested and think that's a good landing spot. But in Atlanta, I think there's a lot of people who are like college basketball fans or something or just fans of the number one overall draft pick and the hype that Zion is generating because he's he's a phenomenon. I mean, he's... For sure. And, you know, he's an ACC guy. So, and, like, ACC basketball is... The hub of ACC basketball is in the southeastern part of the United States, which yeah. is very close by, so... A lot of Duke alumni, even I would say uh, UNC people, yeah. even Wake people, are all very much on board with Zion being right. a Hawk. There are a couple other Duke players who, if we were in that top three, I think R.J. Barrett would be a conversation mm-hmm. for one of the possible picks. How this pick falls definitely could put the Hawks in the fast track to be in, in playing those 82-plus games next year. It's like... When you see dollar signs or when you, you're so excited, you know. I, I, I spoke to the Undefeated on uh, ESPN's uh, website yeah. earlier this week, and they were asking, they, they, they were writing basically an article about how, like, outside of basketball reasons, like Zion and Atlanta would be a huge win for the culture. And so they were asking me what I thought. And if Zion came here, everyone would have his sneakers, no matter how ugly they are. <laughs> Basketball shoes haven't been the most visually pleasing shoes <laughs> as of late. Everyone would be wearing Zions and trying to figure out how to make them work with their outfits. Like, everyone would be so hyped. Yeah. Well, talking about not only being interviewed by ESPN.com, you were recently featured on the Atlanta Magazine. Do you want to talk <laughs> oh, about that? Oh, embarrass me on that. <laughs> yeah, so I work from home, and... Atlanta Magazine had an article, a feature article about people that have like somewhat unorthodox work situations. Mm-hmm. You know, some people, small business, or they split time between being a musician and whatever else they do, office life. And so I, I work from home, which means I can kind of basically work from anywhere. Yeah. Um, and so last year, I worked from Hawaii, aka home, for a month. Yeah. And Atlanta Magazine interviewed me about that. And I'm just this very, very small blurb in this bigger article. Mm -hmm. 
and they asked me to basically talk to them for 10 minutes on the phone. And so I did, and then didn't think anything of it. Right. And three months later, they called and said, hey, we're shooting for that article, like, next week, can you come by and bring some clothes? To... So I did. I showed up, and they were like, okay, cool, wear this, wear this, wear that. Yeah. And I did, and then I walked out onto the set, and I was like, well, who else is here for the article? Like, who else are you shooting? And they said, oh, this is for the cover. This is for you. Yeah. And I, I went home and told my wife, I was like, I think I'm going to be on the, the cover. cover of Atlanta Magazine. Lo and behold, it actually was true. I couldn't believe it. It was um, awesome, yeah. Really, thank you to Matt Love and Caroline Kilgore at Atlanta Magazine and uh, Tropico Photo for taking that awesome photo. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're a cool couple. They went to UGA, photography majors. But anyway, they have this cool aesthetic, you know, bright colors. Yeah. If you look at their Instagram, it's just all that. Um, good vibes. And so they, I think they've been working with Atlanta Magazine on... A lot of different photo shoots, and they got to shoot the cover this time, and I just happened to be there. Mm -hmm. Well, it's an awesome cover. If you get a chance to grab that magazine, Atlanta Magazine, you should definitely do it. We are going to be going to the lottery party and have a short conversation about our thoughts after we find out how the balls fall. Are there any final thoughts you have before... We get over there. I've just got my fingers and toes crossed. I'm just really bracing for the best or the worst. Who knows? We'll see how it goes. I guess we have about two and a half hours before it really starts happening. Yeah. And then we we will come back here and record our thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks again, Larry. Most times of anyone being on this pod, definitely a favorite guest of being on this pod. Oh, thanks. So, that's that's uh, a huge compliment considering you had Adnan on also. <laughs> Absolutely. He'll probably get back at me for that. We are uh, hoping the Hawks will land that number one ping pong ball and uh, go Hawks. Go Hawks. And we're back. Just got back from the Atlanta Hawks lottery party. At the farm. The Hawks have the number eight and number ten overall picks. Yeah, we have two top ten picks. We did not get Zion. No, before the lottery is announced, um, and when the players were walking in, Zion did a little touch of the Hawks logo. Yeah, he walked by all the podiums, and he gave a little love tap to the um, the Hawks logo, and uh, we read that as a sign that he definitely wanted to play in ATL, but turns out New Orleans Pelicans will be picking first, and barring any trades or anything, then uh, he'll have to be a Saints fan, and I'm sure he'll hate that. (laughs) It's absolutely correct. The new flattened odds really messed up the order in that there were three teams in the top four who had the best odds to be in the top four who all fell out, and the Lakers, Memphis Grizzlies, and Pelicans all moved up. The Hawks got their pick from Dallas uh, conveyed with, with... with the number 10 pick and they got the number eight pick. And so they will have two top 10 picks as Larry said in this draft. Yeah. And we listened to some um, interview with Travis Schlenk uh, right afterwards. And he was saying that now that they know they have five picks, they have a lot of flexibility moving forward with whether it be trades or hopefully trades, right. Um, Whether it be for players that actually exist or packaging to move up. We do know from 
just the way their roster is looking now, that there's no way that they're going to camp with five rookie players that they would be drafting this year. That would just be insane. I don't, I don't see um, this front office as the draft and stash type of a front office that likes to pick dudes in Europe and never even bring them over. Um, yeah. Kind of like the uh, previous office front office did. So I anticipate Travis Schlenk and co will be making moves, making money moves. Absolutely. At least in my view of this draft, the top three guys are probably Zion, John ja Morant and RJ Barrett. And then after that, all the other players are kind of in the same tier. And so some of these teams that are ahead of the Hawks may be looking to trade down. So if the Hawks have their eye on the one pip guy in particular, I'm sure they'll try to move up and get him. Larry's right on with that. There's no way we go into camp with five rookies. Yeah, and to all those fans that are boohooing and, oh, woe is me, or this is classic Atlanta sports, we got the Mavs pick to convey. So when you look back at things, we've got the... The number 10 pick in this year's draft, and Trey Young for Luka Doncic, and things are starting to look a lot sweeter. We have two top 10 picks. Zion Williamson, more likely than not, will not be going to play for the hated Knicks or the Lakers or those fan bases that we can't stand. We're Hawks fans, and we understand that it is our time to shine, and we are building for something. You know, we weren't expected to contend for a championship next year regardless, even with Zion Williamson. So this is perfectly fine. This falls right in breadbasket for where we want to be. Travis Schlenk's going to do what Schlenke always does. Schlenke. <laughs> He's going to do gonna what do he always does. some for yeah. sure. Yeah, and, and we, we just pulled up a historic number 8 picks and number 10 picks. Looks like the number 10 picks are actually, there's more heat there historically. We've got like... Thon Maker in 2016, Justice Winslow 2015, CJ McCollum 2013, Paul George is a huge one in 2010, and before that, 2009 Brandon Jennings. We all know how good he was. Joe Johnson was a number 10 pick in 2000 and 2001. Jason Terry as well, former Hawk in 99, and then at number eight, Rudy Gay, Channing Frye, who we all hate because of his work with the Cleveland Cavaliers, Jamal Crawford. So there are going to be opportunities for the Hawks to get good players at both 8 and 10. And certainly it's disappointing not to move up to be in the top four and not get that number one overall pick. But these two picks are going to contribute a lot and probably contribute right away. And, and coming to play with John Collins and Trey Young, they can only get better. Absolutely. I mean, when you think about the kinds of guys that have come and gone with the Hawks over the years, especially since Schlenk has come on, I've got a feeling that maybe Prince might not be around for too much longer or whatever. You know, like I think Schlenk wants to pick his guys, the guys that interview well, the guys that personality-wise fit the team and have the skills on the floor to play the kind of team ball that Coach Pierce is preaching these days. So I'm optimistic, I would say probably more so than anyone that I've seen on the internet so far. And especially uh, whoever that bozo was on 92-90 game on the ride home. Because uh, <laughs> the Braves are getting blown out right now. And then the 8 and the 10 pick for the Hawks. He was like, oh, typical Atlanta sports night. I'm like, bro, like that, this, is... that doesn't exist. There are other towns that are 
far worse to live in that for pro sports. I mean, we have it pretty good here. We always have the opportunity to win. We always have hope here. I don't see what there is to be sad about. And I know with how hands-on Coach Lloyd Pierce is with the the prospect process, I mean, that's what he did for the Golden State Warriors when he worked for them. And with what Travis Schlenk does, they're going to get good picks. They've shown they've been able to do it with the number 19 pick, and now we'll get to see what they do with 8 and 10. It just makes also, I think, it a lot harder to kind of get an idea on who that pick's going to be because there are so many guys who are kind of in the same tier that are stepped down from Zion Williamson. But I think we saw two possible candidates in the national championship game this year and DeAndre Hunter and Culver from Texas Tech will be going through all the possible picks for the Hawks on the Kettle Cast coming up. I'm feeling really good. To get two top 10 picks affords a lot of flexibility is only a positive for the Hawks. I fully yeah. agree with you. And Zion's not going to be a Nick. And he's not going to be a Laker, so we should all celebrate. We should all celebrate He's that. not going to be a Celtic either. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, Larry, I can't thank you enough for coming back onto the Kettle Gas again. Anytime. Um, we'll ha- definitely have you back on to see how the Hawks are doing further along in this offseason, maybe after the draft has happened or something like yeah. that. And uh, go Hawks. Go Hawks.